0: This is Ryan Archidak, and I shout out to the Bulls HQ podcast. All the way from Australia, we represent, and thanks for all the support.
1: Welcome to Bulls HQ, Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show. Uh, what are we going to talk about, Bulls fans? What, what the hell are we going to talk about? I mean, do we even really want to talk about Bulls basketball anymore? I mean, are we will be talking about the Bulls, obviously, but do we even want to talk about these these silly, silly games that we're watching right now? I mean, the Bulls right now, the season's pretty much done. I mean, we can pretty much call it, right? Surely. Surely, there's seven games to go. The Bulls are four games back from the 10th spot in the East. They're currently 12 in the East. They're not getting into the playing game, surely. I mean, their last three or their last four games are against the Nets, uh, the Raptors, the Nets again, and then the Bucks. The Nets and Bucks are probably vying for the, the top seed in the East, so I'm assuming they're not necessarily going to be resting their, their full squads at that point. So, I don't know. Uh, This season is done, surely. We just got done watching the Bulls versus the Sixers. I mean, they had a fake rally in the fourth quarter there. That sort of got them back in the game. They were down by one, but then I guess the Sixers sort of woke up again, and obviously the Bulls lost that game. So we've got seven to go. Game's coming up against the, the Hornets and the Celtics on the weekend. I'm assuming without... Well, maybe without Zach Levine, maybe without Nikola Vucevic, who knows if those guys are going to be playing like they probably shouldn't be playing. I mean, we should be tanking, right? Surely we're firing up the tank at this point and we all agree that there's no point trying to push towards for whatever play in tournament may or may not exist for the Bulls. It clearly probably doesn't exist for the Bulls, but surely we all as Bulls fans, we, we typically don't agree on a lot of things. But if there's one thing that we do agree on at this, at this point, it's... Probably trying to lose to maximize the chances that the Bulls do retain their, their draft pick this season rather than handing it over to the Orlando Magic. And at present, based on standings right now, of course, of course, the Bulls have the seventh the seventh worst record in the NBA, meaning they have the seventh best, I guess, odds in terms of landing in the top four, which is about a 32% chance and, a, and I think a 7.5% chance of getting the number one overall pick in this draft, which is clearly clearly going to be so much more valuable to this team right now than trying to, I don't know, win four of the next seven games and maybe just maybe sneaking into the play-in tournament, which they're probably not going to anyway because the Wizards have (laughs) a really easy schedule. So I guess that long-winded rant there is to say, I don't want to talk about the Bulls in terms of the games that they've played over the last week or so, the games that they've got coming up, because who really cares? No one at this point really cares. If you can just tell by the, the engagement level of the team, well, on Twitter, the engagement level of the Bulls HQ Discord, my engagement levels just generally, the, the, the fan apathy has really set in, which is a shame given we were all pretty damn excited after the after the trade period, after the trade deadline, we assumed the Bulls were headed to maybe something a little bit more fruitful this season, but uh here we are, fourth consecutive season, likely missing the playoffs, which is... Again, very, very annoying. We've wasted a lot of time, a lot of energy into this team, and come up short yet again. So I don't really want to be talking about the same old crap. Like I don't, I don't want to be talking about Billy Donovan's rotations. I don't want to be talking about Larry and being a disappointment. I don't want to be talking about the Bulls need this player. Why isn't this player playing more minutes? So whatever it might be, like we've done enough of that talk this for this season thus far, at least. I'm sure we'll review this season later on in upcoming episodes of the show, but. I guess what I wanted to do is just on this episode at least, just take a step back from it all, find a uh, find some topics that I could discuss that would make it a little bit easier for me to to be frank. Because like as a bull as a bulls podcast right now. Man, is it hard to talk about anything about this team. So for me, like from a pure engagement perspective, even just for me to help me get through this podcast, what I did was I actually asked you, the listeners of Bulls HQ, to help me out by um doing a bit of a mailbag session and throwing any Bulls-related questions at me. How? even Not even Bulls-related questions. And to be honest with you, the latter's probably preferred at this point because none of us really want to be talking too much about this team, at least... The the day-to-day stuff that doesn't really matter for this season. Yeah, we'll talk bulls on this podcast about, you know, the stuff that does matter, like that what's coming up on the offseason, what's coming up in the draft, assuming the bulls are part of the draft, what they should be doing in free agency, that sort of stuff, obviously we'll hit on. That's the stuff people care about. And ultimately, that's the stuff that's going to matter and set up the team over the next coming years. So of course we'll hit hit that stuff in the mailbag, but I also wanted to touch on a range of other questions that I got through as well. So I appreciate everyone helping me out here. Creating content about this stupid team right now is tough. So I really, really do appreciate everyone helping me out by sending in your questions and helping me out with a mailbag episode here. So uh, let's rip into it. I want to get into these questions. I've got a lot of good questions, a lot of fun questions, some that made me think, Something less so that made me think, and I guess let's, let, let's, let's start there. And, uh, Salim Sudawala, if you, uh, Salim's been on the podcast before, co-host of the Bulls, Go- Bulls Gold Podcast. Salim asks, will the Bulls ever stop making me sad? And I guess, uh, Salim, it's a very, very simple question, my friend. Um, no, they won't. They won't. We can't escape this for whatever reason. The Bulls will perpetually make us sad for whatever reason. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. But whatever it is, at this point, the only way I can sort of get myself through it is to laugh at it. It's it's the only way, Salim. The Bulls will continuously make us sad. It is written for whatever reason. It's just the way it's going to play out. But look, from what I could tell, the NFL draft was on last week. You Bears fans... Again, I know nothing about the NFL, the draft or anything, but based on my timeline, every single Bears fan out there will seem to be jubilant based on the fact that they got through Justin Fields, who is a quarterback who I know nothing about. So whatever the hell that means, you guys seem to be super happy. So maybe you Bears fans can sort of you know, you've got that at least I guess, but like someone like me who doesn't even give a stuff about the NFL or any other, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf owned team or whatever baseball team he owns, who cares? I don't I'm not into any of that sort of stuff. So for me, like, I'm, I'm just going to perpetually be sad, unfortunately, because I'm just a Bulls fan. Whereas at least you, Salim, you have the Bears and I don't know what other nonsense there is in Chicago, to be honest with you. So it's not all bad for you guys based on what I saw on the timeline last week. So um, I guess what I'm saying is, woe is me, Salim. It's, it's, it's all about me at this point. I'm the one that's truly sad here. You guys have got Justin Fields or whatever, and I've got... Uh, I've got Denzel Valentine. But um, moving on to the next question. This one came in from uh, C Red Boer at Bulls Fan De on, t- on Twitter. He asks, soon you will be a father, right? And uh, yes, that is true. I'll be a father sometime next week, most likely. The or the kid is due next week, at least. Maybe it comes sooner, maybe it comes later. But um, uh, C Red Boer asks, will you make your child a Bulls fan? And uh, that is a great question. Uh, that is a great question. Do I do that? Do I make my, my son-to-be sit through these terrible, terrible Bulls games? Now, I'm hopeful that once he arrives, he's actually due to arrive on uh, the 13th, which is when the Bulls play the Raptors, the 13th. Uh is the 70th, 70th, game of the season. So I'm hoping he sort of arrives a little bit late once the season is done, doesn't have to witness any of this season, doesn't have to know anything about this season or anything prior to that season. And hopefully thereafter, everything he does experience is fruitful and good. And, you know, he just, he just has a good experience as a Bulls fan. That's what I'm hoping, but maybe, I don't know, like, do, do I, who else would I put him on to, I guess? I guess it would be sacrilegious to not have him be a Bulls fan, give him you know my my fandom, let's say, but maybe it makes sense for him to sort of lock onto like the the Luca bandwagon or or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what what. It's probably it's probably bad parental advice. It's probably almost maybe people will be calling the authorities on me if I do make him or subject him to the Bulls at this rate. <laughs> but uh, maybe see Red Bull, or maybe who the hell knows? Uh. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh, moving on, this next question came in, uh, and I really appreciate this question, actually. It came in from Romina. We all know Romina. The queen of Bulls Twitter, at Romina1690 on Twitter, she asks, is Fred ready to say goodbye to Denzel Valentine? And boy, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Like, there's, my, there's maybe like two people on the planet, and that maybe includes Denzel Valentine, who actually appreciate Denzel as a Chicago Bull. Probably... Hopefully, only seven more games for Denzel left as a Chicago Bull. And uh, Romina there is referencing Fred as in C Red Fred, the, the biggest Denzel Valentine uh, stand that exists on this planet. I mean, Denzel Valentine is a pretty self-absorbed guy based on the, what we see from him on the court. Very, very confident, but um, I assume he really loves himself. But if there's anyone else on this planet who loves Denzel Valentine more than Denzel Valentine, then it's Sea Red Fred. And um, Ramina. actually, Fred wanted to respond to your question and by doing so, he's actually sent in this audio clip to uh, to respond to you, to respond to me and to respond to all the other Denzel haters out there, let's say. So let's throw to Frederick.
0: Well, Mark, you want a rant, I'll give you a rant. It's not, I wouldn't even call it a rant. It's just more a calm discussion. I'm not sure what caused the intense dislike for a player like Denzel who handles the ball so well, rebounds so well for his position, doesn't turn the ball over, arguably the best passer on the team. But it seems like it's just me, Casey Johnson, Stacey King, Billy Donovan, I guess, to a certain extent, who value what Valentine brings to the team. And on the other side, we have you, Romina, Jim Boylan, this massive horde. And I swear, I think it's 80% of the people in that horde are just, you know, rabid idiots tr- trying to impress Romina. You know, maybe if I say something negative about Denzel, you know, she'll like me, you know, some kind of thought process like that, which is, you know, pathetic beyond belief. Like that's going to make a difference in her feelings towards a, a Twitter, uh, a tweeter, whatever the hell you call it. But I'm sure, I'm sure there's legit criticism of Denzel. He's not a perfect player, so I don't want, you know, um, I understand that, but I think most of the criticism criticism goes well beyond that. Regardless, it, it's time to see him go. It's fine. I don't care. Tired of beating. This, tired of uh, you know beating the drum, being the Spartan, fighting the mob, just like that movie Three Hundred. He'll be gone soon. But you know what I heard with Zach Lowe on his uh, latest pod? He gave six man honorable mentions to Bobby Portis, Doug McDermott, and Campaign. So I'll say confidently. Think about how those three guys went out of town. I'll say confidently Denzel will go somewhere else next year. Might not be next year. Might be the following year. He'll have some uh, modicum of success. And everyone here will say, why didn't he do that here? Well, he did have success here. I consider this year to be successful, but we were all blinded by the negative PR, or most of us were, and the burning torches and the glimmering pitchforks to notice. So, Godspeed, my friend. Um, have a good evening. And um, what else can I say? Pound sand. Have a good one, brother.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you, Frederick. I uh, always do appreciate your Um uh, Such a wise, wise man. And he does ask, Frederick. He asks why, why is so? Oh, he's confused. Why so many people dislike Denzel Valentine? And I, I don't know why he could possibly, possibly be confused about that. I mean, because so many people are irritated by you, Frederick, and your continuous pushing of this very replaceable and annoying idiotic player so that's probably why not to not to mention the fact that you know Denzel can be um extremely annoying just more generally based on his basketball I mean do we have to even go back a week to 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 remember how he performed against the Heat and how he cost the balls in that specific game and how freaking frustrating that was like do we have to go back that far to think about how irritating Denzel Valentine is so um uh, look look Frederick um I don't know the comparison you're drawing to yourself to a 300 like Spartan warrior. If that comparison necessarily holds, I'm I'm not sure if you're in shape like uh, Gerard Butler is kind of thing. In that, I don't know if you have the abs maybe to pull off that that comparison. Let's say, but um, he's definitely not 300 people defending Denzel Valentine either. Like I said, it's maybe two, maybe you, maybe I'll spot you three. I'll spot you three people, but um. Romina, I think Fred is prepared to say goodbye to Denzel Valentine just because I think we've worn him down. I think he's over about talking about Denzel Valentine, thankfully, finally. So um, yeah, no more Denzel. That would be nice. And hopefully no more talk from Frederick about Denzel. That too would also be nice. But uh, moving on to maybe some more serious questions here. This one came in from uh, Edward Buell on Twitter, at Edward Buell. He asks, should the Bulls operate over the cap in the off season?" If so, what are some realistic targets for the mid-level exception? Also, are there any trades that the Bulls should consider, such as Aminu and Sato for Ricky Rubio? So, a couple questions there, and I think you raised a good point, Edward, about, you know, how the Bulls should be operating this, this summer coming up or this off Should they be an under-the-cap team or an over-the-cap team? And That's something that we're going to be talking a lot about. It's something I'm going to be talking a lot about on this podcast over the coming months. On other podcasts, I'm sure you'll be hearing that as well. So the Bulls need to decide, do do they want to be a cap space team? Do they want to be a team that operates above the cap? And if, if people aren't aware what that necessarily means, well, the Bulls basically have to make a call on certain players on their roster and what the future holds for those certain players and if they want to keep those players around and want to keep their cap hold around then depending on that decision that will determine if they operate above the cap or under the cap and look I'm no cap expert I'm not necessarily maybe going to be give, giving the best uh, the best explanation of what over the cap or under the cap means necessarily but like The Bulls have a a few free agents coming up, most notably Larry Markin. There's also Daniel Tice to consider as well. There's a couple others in there as well. Denzel Valentine, obviously, is one. Garrett Temple is one. There's a few other bits and pieces here and there. Cristiano Felicio is one, I guess, technically. So there are some free agents that they have coming up. And depending on what they want to do with those free agencies, we'll determine if they operate above or under the cap. So at at present at least... Those players will count against the Bulls cap until they make a decision on what they want to do, whether they sort of renounce them and let, the go, let them go or whether they decide to keep them around, keep their cap hold against the uh, against this, the cap sheet and maybe they re-sign them. Maybe that's an option for Larry and Daniel Tyson, whatever it may be. But essentially for the Bulls to be a cap space team, so to get under the cap, to go after free agents with as much cap space as possible... They pretty much have to renounce or say goodbye to a lot of their free agents to do so. So that means like letting Larry Markinen walk, basically, letting Daniel Tice walk, letting Garrett Temple potentially walk. Who really cares about guys like Archer Diacono, Denzel Valentine, Felicio, Javante Green, those sorts of players? Like they're inconsequential, let's say. So there's no issues letting those guys walk, but You have to make a decision on guys like Daniel Tice, Garrett Temple, Larry and potentially even someone like Sato Ransky and Thad Young if you wanted to create as much space as possible. Both of those latter two players have team options on them. So if you wanted to sort of not exercise those options or essentially tell Thad and Sato to walk to create as much cap space as you possibly can, then you can create like, say, $25 to $28 million in cap space. But in order to get to that number you essentially have to, to basically say goodbye to about four to five players and all of those four or five guys are in the rotation. So I guess what I'm saying here, Edward, or shaping the way I'm shaping this up is to say the Bulls really have to do a lot or at least wave goodbye to a lot of players in order to create as much cap space as they can. And the number that they can create probably isn't worth them the number of players that they need to sort of let go to do so. Like as an example, for example, like if they keep Nikola Vucevic, Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, Kobe White, Troy Brown Jr., and you know have the guaranteed portions of Thad Young and Sadoransky's contract, maybe you wave and stretch Al Camino and include things like cap holds for those those empty roster spots, like. In, in that scenario you only create 28 million dollars in cap space and if you go after someone like Lonzo Ball who may command like 20 22 million dollars something like that in free agency like you may create a lot of space to but you may be using a ch- a good chunk of that space just on one player whilst you've just gone about getting rid of like three or four maybe five guys to create that space so I guess to answer your question, Edward, I would operate above the cap, meaning I would try to re-sign guys like Taniel Tice. I would keep Thad. I would keep Satter. I would try to re-sign Garrett Temple and then operate above the cap, meaning I get the full mid-level exception, as you sort of noted there, and can try to use that 9 or $10 million to bring in a player that can maybe help this team. And, you know, the, the team would be somewhat similar to the one that we're currently looking at, but maybe you can start trading rather than trying to sign guys in free agency. And I think this is how the Bulls are going to have to remodel this roster just due to the fact that they're not going to really get to a position this off season where they're going to have a lot of cap space. So it probably makes sense to re-sign guys try to trade them during the season and try to move them. And as you sort of suggested, try to like move Aminu and Sato for someone like Rubio, if that's possible at all. Maybe if you were to sign and trade Larry Markkinen and get a trade exception for Larry Markkinen, you can use that to maybe get back a player or maybe the team that you're trading Larry to will give you back a piece. I don't know what the example may be, but I think the Bulls have more options if they operate above the cap. But for them to do so, uh, I guess it's sort of dependent on the offers that Larry Marketing gets, the offers that Daniel Tice gets. If those guys receive offers from free agency teams or teams that have a ton of cap space and those those specific players get offers that you don't really want to match, then maybe you can't even operate above the cap. And this whole conversation, this whole rant that I've been going on is kind of moot because if you can't necessarily keep those guys to a number that you want to keep them, thus operating above the cap, Maybe you do have to go under the cap anyway because that's the best way to go about it. So it's a long-winded answer. I would say ideally operate over the cap. That way you've got control over the free agents you do have. You you bring them back on a nice, hopefully team-friendly deal. You use your mid-level exception on some decent role players. You're not going to be able to get someone like Lonzo Ball for the mid-level exception, but I don't know. Can you get someone like Devontae Graham for a mid-level exception deal? Someone like that. I mean, I would have theoretically loved to have gotten Justice Winslow, but his offensive game looks completely shot at this point. So, I don't know if that's possible. You're definitely not in the market to get someone like Mike Conley or Kyle Lowry, but can you go after someone a little bit lo- lower down the ranks? Maybe, maybe you can sign a collective of of decent role players. Like, can you go after like Patrick Mills, for example? Can you go after Nerland's Noel? Maybe even someone like Duncan Robinson from Miami. I mean, Miami's going to be in an interesting cap position. Maybe you can sort of squeeze in there and get Duncan Robinson. He's probably going to get an offer greater than the mid-level exception. But I don't know, maybe make a play on him, for example. So I would operate above the cap. I would be trying to trade players rather than going into cap space. I would be trying to like re-sign Daniel Tyson, maybe looking to trade. You know Thad Young during the season, or maybe Satoransky for an upgrade at point guard. You know attaching Sato and maybe like Troy Brown Jr. as a trade package to go and get a better point guard, like a Malcolm Brogdon, for example. Like he was reportedly available at the trade deadline. Do you try to get a player like that via trade? So the Bulls have gone down the trade route, obviously to to acquire Vucevic. I think they're gonna have to continue going down that route to continue to improve this roster. So. I don't know, I'm not expecting them to be in under the cap team, but who knows? It's way too early to tell. But uh we'll see how that plays out. But I uh, appreciate your question there, Edward. But moving on, let's 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 go to Rob's question. So Rob's a Chicagoan and he's actually married to an Aussie. So shout out to you, Rob. Shout out to your Aussie partner there too. Uh but his question he asks, what are the odds that Artush Kanachovis and Mark Eversley make a draft night trade for a later first round pick? He also goes on to say, are you confident that the team can still find talent outside the lottery? Is there any hope for the future? So, uh, yeah, look, I won't touch that last question, Rob, because um, who the hell knows on that one? But in terms of, you know, can the Bulls buy back into the first round of this upcoming draft, assuming their pick conveys to the Magic, which let's just say at, at the moment, let's based on odds, it's likely to go to the Magic. The Magic will be receiving the number seven pick. There's that number seven again. We just can't escape number seven for whatever reason. I'm blaming C. Red Fred for that, but assuming the Bulls convey their pick to the Magic this season, can they get back into the first round? Probably not for in the lottery. Uh, They don't really have the trade assets to do that, but can they get back in for like a late first or a mid first or something like that? And I'd probably still say no, Rob. Like, I mean, what would they have to do to give that up? Like, They would probably have to give up a future first-round pick, and if not that, then maybe someone like Kobe White, assuming anyone would give you a first-round pick for Kobe White. I, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, but I would probably say the Bulls probably can't get back into the first round unless, I don't know, you're moving Patrick Williams or something like that because Troy Brown Jr. isn't getting you a first. Kobe White, maybe a late first, but not not, not an actual decent first-rounder. You know, at least not one just outside the lottery. Let's say maybe something in the 20s. But again, I doubt it. So I would say the Bulls, if they don't get their pick, if their pick doesn't land inside the top four this season or this, you know, at, lot, at during the lottery at least, I doubt the Bulls have the necessary assets to get back into the first round. And I don't know if the Bulls want to necessarily go into that direction anyway. Like they've kind of committed to a win-down mode. Like they've, they've brought through Nikola Vucevic. Obviously, Zach Levine is here. Do you wanna be adding another young guy to a to a collective of, say, Troy Brown Jr., Patrick Williams and Kobe White? Do you wanna add another younger guy? Especially when you were trying to win now around Zach and Vooch? Like it may not even make sense to necessarily get back into the first round and give up assets to get back in the first round. Like the the only way I'm interested in getting back into this first round is with our own pick and keeping that pick. And to Andy Moore's question at AD Moore 33 on Twitter, he asks, say we get lucky and grab a top four pick, who are we taking? Is it going to be a point guard? Based on like Andy's question, like that's really the only point I have any interest at all in this first round because clearly the Bulls are not keeping their own pick anything beyond the top four. I don't really want them wasting assets or consuming assets to get back into this draft and sort of, you know, accumulating or wasting even more assets to sort of getting to the draft when they could have even just kept their own pick type thing. Like, I'm only interested in this draft if the Bulls do have some some lottery luck. And at this, at this point, like I mentioned, like they've got a 32% chance of getting back into the top four, which is pretty decent. I mean, they've got a 7.5% chance of getting the number one pick, which is like four times higher than they had, when they, when they landed Derrick Rose. Obviously, I'm not expecting a Derrick Rose-type lottery luck, but those odds aren't nothing. They shouldn't, we shouldn't necessarily sneeze at those odds. They're decent. 32% chance to get into the top four, even though, even if that's a fourth pick. Like, that, that's pretty damn good. So, in that scenario, like, who are they taking? I would assume it's someone like Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga because I'm assuming the top three is going to be Jalen Suggs, Kate, Kate Cunningham, and uh, Evan Mobley in some order. I don't know what that order would be. For me, it would be Cunningham, Mobley, and Suggs in that specific order. But, you know, who do the Bulls get thereafter? I don't know. Do the Bulls even maybe trade their pick if they get back in the top four? I think that might be an interesting route to go, actually. Like, if you get your your pick, maybe you make the draft pick, but maybe you trade that player thereafter once you've signed him, you you go past the step-in rule. So, in that scenario, like, maybe if the Bulls do get a top four pick and it's not one of Kate Cunningham or Jalen Suggs or even an Evan Mobley, I'm even maybe thinking trading that top four pick to a team that can maybe give you a veteran of sorts to come complement Zach Levine and and Vucevic. It would obviously need to be a really good player, not necessarily just some random run of the mill veteran, but I don't know, like Jalen Green, Jonathan Kamingo, they're interesting talents. I would be into them if this team was still rebuilding, let's say. But like I mentioned before, like it feels like we're ready to go now or at least trying to win as quickly as we can. And even adding a top four pick, which may be a Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga or whoever that player may be. like Are those guys going to ha- help Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic through their prime years? Probably not. So I don't know. I would, I would actually be looking to trade that number four pick if the Bulls got back into it and try to get some... You know, ready-made guys to come help this team, and maybe that would help change how we feel about this team going forward. If you could add another real decent player, and you can continue to uh, develop Patrick Williams, continue to build around Zach and Vuce, like that would be interesting. But I guess it depends where they land. If they if they pick four, I would probably take Kaminga, but if they obviously go higher, then. I would love to have Cade Cunningham because he would uh, he would solve so many problems on this team, whether it's a wing wing issue. I mean, he's a six foot seven guy, he can defend wings. Clearly he can play point guard as well. That's obviously an issue the Bulls have. So yeah, if we can fade for Cade and land into number one, like that's all we're hoping for. Like I mentioned at the top, let, let, let's get in the tank going on. Let's get that tank going and uh, hopefully we can land in that pick. But uh, thanks for your question there, Andy. Uh, moving on to this next one from Raf. At raf for show on Twitter, he asks, is there a reason to believe AK will try to clean house and get rid of players they didn't sign or draft except for Zach Levine? So I'm thinking guys like Kobe. I'm thinking guys like, like Larry, obviously. Maybe even players like Thad and Sato. I mean, they didn't technically sign those guys. Obviously, they kept them past the deadline, but they're not maybe AK guys, Let's say. And to your question there, Raf, is there any reason to believe that AK will clean house? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that Larry Markinen is gone. It clearly didn't come to an extension before the season. There was obvious reports that Lowry Markinen was on the table at the trade deadline, and now, after acquiring Nikola Vucevic and Daniel Tice, like, Lowry's the fourth best big on the roster, is, probably, is playing anywhere between 15 to 25 minutes a night, coming off the bench. He wants to be a starter. He wants to get paid. It doesn't seem like it's going to be happening in Chicago, so I would assume him. Lowry's gone. Kobe White, I mean, personally... Even though I had Kobe's brother Will on last week and like, that was a fun and enjoyable podcast, I, I still don't think Kobe fits next to Zach Levine and Vucevic. So I don't know if Kobe is long for Chicago either. I would be looking to move him on and maybe you can get something of value for Kobe. Who knows? But I don't necessarily know if he is part of the Bulls' long-term plan. I don't can necessarily con- consider Troy Brown Jr. a guy that... He's an AK guy either. I mean, he traded for him, but he obviously didn't sign him. Who knows if he's going to keep him long-term. He's probably more a value player. to maybe see if you could get something out of him or turn him into something. But I don't know if he's long for Chicago either. And then you've got Thad and Sato and probably more so Thad than Sato is more capable, let's say, but I think Sato is potentially someone that they move on from too. So there's a lot of players on this roster who I would, I would imagine aren't back next season or at least, ha- at least potentially aren't back next season. So... I do think AK will continue to clean house and in part because he will need to use some of these guys as trade pieces to sort of improve the roster around Zach and Vucevic and that should be the goal at this point. If you need to move Kobe or Troy Brown Jr. or whoever it might be, hell, maybe even Patrick Williams. I know the fan base may, may will not be interested in doing that and maybe that might not be the right call, but if you can include Patrick Williams, Kobe White, Troy Brown Jr. and Thad Young in a deal and get back a third-level star, let's say, maybe you have to consider doing that too. So I don't think anyone's really safe on this roster right now beyond Zach Levine and Vucevic, and I guess the only other option there would be Patrick Williams, but I don't even know if Patrick Williams is is um, someone the Bulls should be making untouchable. I don't think they should at this point, given how bad the second half of this season has gone. So it's going to be interesting times, but I don't think non-AK guys, let's call them that. I don't think they're safe necessarily. And just due to the fact that the Bulls don't have a lot of assets, they don't really have a lot of options. And the only real way to, to help facilitate this roster getting better is by trades. And you're going to have to trade guys like Kobe. You're going to have to get rid of Larry if you want to cap, create cap space. So uh, yeah, Raf, I think there's going to be a lot of non-AK guys that are all going to be on the move. So uh, let's see how that plays out. But thanks for your question there, Raf. Moving on to the next one. This one comes through from James Walter. He asks, do you think Donovan is a long-term option at coach? Yeah, this is an interesting uh, question, James. This is one I've been... um, Look, I haven't been the biggest Donovan fan over the last few months, which is ironic given that I thought he was the right coach for the Bulls when they did make the high. He was the guy, as soon as he became available, he was the one that I wanted the Bulls to go after. I still think in that moment, that was the right decision. I still think Billy Donovan is a good coach or at least an above average coach, but is he the coach for this team long-term? Probably not. Like, I mean, what what is long-term? Like beyond two or three seasons? Uh, look, probably not. I don't think he's taking this team beyond maybe a first or second round, but who the hell knows if this team has the ability to go further than that anyway. But I don't know. Like Donovan seems to me like a completely good and fine coach, but it was also a completely replaceable coach as well. Obviously, a massive improvement over the bad board man that we had last season. But again, that baseline was very, very low. Anyone could have probably stepped in and done a better job than Jim Boylan. So I don't want to compare him to Jim Boylan because anyone could do a better job than Jim Boylan. We should be comparing him to other average and attainable NBA coaches out there. And to me, whether Billy Donovan's average, whether he's above average, whether he's good, I don't think he's any higher than that, let's say. I don't know if he's a top 10 coach, let's say. He's good and fine, and he's, he's a coach that makes sense for now. Is he a coach that's going to be here beyond the next two or three years? I, I, I don't think so. I'm not going to confidently say that's the case. Maybe if the Bulls, I don't know, maybe if this team gets that third star, maybe if Patrick Williams develops into that third star and this team vaults into you know being a potential at best second round out team, maybe into an at least an Eastern Conference finalist type level team, maybe he is here for a little bit longer, but at least based on the variables today, I would be surprised if Billy Donovan's here beyond, say, two to three seasons because I just feel like he's a, a good and fine coach, one that could be easily replaced down the line. So, uh, I don't know if he's the long-term option. I don't really think there's many NBA coaches in the league, to be fair, that are long-term options, let's say. At least anything beyond three years, let's let's call it that. Like if we want to call it long-term three years, how many coaches in the league would you actually be confident in saying, yeah, I want this guy for beyond three years? It's It's probably a handful of guys, to be honest with you. So take those comments as less of a shot to Donovan and just more how I feel about the coaching landscape more generally because there's probably only like five to seven coaches who truly, really matter, whereas the rest are somewhat interchangeable, somewhat similarly placed in terms of how I feel about their abilities as a coach. So uh, hopefully that answers your question there, James. Moving on to this one. This one comes from uh, at CataloniaCNT on Twitter. He asks... What does your ideal offseason look like for this team, assuming they don't get a top-four draft pick? So that's an interesting one. Like, to me at this point, like I said at the top of the podcast, surely we're all banking on the hope that the Bulls get that top-four draft pick. 32% chance of that happening right now. We want to see them lose as much as they can, so to maintain as high odds as they possibly can on come lottery night. But in the event that they don't get that top-four pick, I mean, the odds are still favoring them not getting that pick. But in the, in the event that they don't, like what is the ideal offseason look like? And man, I have no idea at this point. Going back to Edward's question before, I guess a lot of it depends on like, are you going to operate above the cap or not? Because if you operate above the cap, then you pretty much there's no chance of getting someone like Lonzo Ball unless you can manufacture a sign and trade with, between Lonzo and Lowry, which I don't know if that's likely or possible. Like, that would be ideal if you could operate above the cap and trade Lowry for Lonzo in a sign and trade. That would be nice. Is that going to happen? I, at this point, I would say probably not. So, in terms of like, what does my off- ideal offseason look like, then, you know, I would, I would try to trade Tomasz Sadaransky and, and Kobe White for someone like Malcolm Brogson. Like, that would solve a lot of problems for the Bulls at the point guard position. Like, that would be nice. You would bring in. He's not a third all star. Let's say he's a borderline star. I guess Malcolm Brogdon, the super good player, very high floor player, would complement Zach Levine perfectly. Would be really good with with Nikola Vucevic as well. Like that, to me, would be a nice pickup if you could do that. Use your mid level exception on a wing. Like I said, maybe if you can get someone like Duncan Robertson, that that would be ideal. But if not Duncan Robinson, maybe even someone like a Sterling Brown in Houston, maybe a low play like that. Perhaps you could use a portion of your mid-level exception to bring back some um, some former Bulls. Let's say like Tony Snell. Like Tony Snell has been good for the Hawks. I mean, he's been shooting the hell out of the ball. one Moore. I mean, he's uh, I mean, he's he's older at this point, but like for a portion of that mid-level exception as a depth piece, then then maybe you can go after E'Twaun. I personally still love David Noir, but I would love to see David Noir back in Chicago. I, I don't know, but like that would be like I would be trying to trade for that guard. I'd be trying to use that mid level exception for a wing, and I would be trying to sign, re sign Daniel Tyson, and trying to make a decision as to who you keep during the season, whether it's Thad Young and Daniel Tyson, and maybe moving one of those guys during the season for another wing if possible. But yeah, look, ideal. Off-season, I don't know if there's going to be an ideal off-season, to be honest with you, because the Bulls have too many floors and they don't necessarily have a lot of avenues to improve the team without that draft pick. So, I don't know. If there's, three say, three major holes, let's call it, obviously, point guard, wing, and maybe what they're going to decide to do up front, and more generally, just the bench in general. Like If they're the holes, then you probably need to decide... You know, of those three, which two can you actively improve in this off season? And I think that's the way it's going to be. Like, we're not going to be able to to cover all boxes this off season, unfortunately. So for me, I'd be prioritizing that guard position. I mean, like, how many more years as Bulls fans can we go without seeing any quality point guard play? I, I just can't do another season. I can't do another season without bad point guard play. With bad point guard play, I, I need to see a good, respectable point guard in place. And Malcolm Brogdon is certainly that. Yeah, he's a little bit older. I mean, he's 28, going to be 29 when the next season starts. But I mean, he's averaging 21, 5, and 6 this season. Basically, almost a like, oh, he's not almost a 50, 40, 90 guy, but he has been that been before this season, 45, 39, and 87. Like, they're still good shooting splits. So Malcolm Brogdon would be a super good third guy in Chicago. He would balance his roster exactly how it needs to be. That would be my ideal target. Like I said, try to get someone on the wing with that mid-level exception, whether that's one guy, whether it's multiple guys, depends on obviously the free agency market and then obviously deciding what you're wanting to do with your own guys. But, you know, trying as best as I can to use Larry's in the sign and trade. Like if they can do that, that would be huge. That would be ideal. But if he can't do that, Lowry signs a big offer elsewhere. Daniel Tyson signs a big offer elsewhere. Then maybe the next best thing is trying to get Lonzo Ball in free agency. Now that would be interesting because you'll need to go, you'll know, need to create cap space to do that. How much do we want to pay Lonzo Ball? I don't really want to pay him anything more than eighteen million dollars, to be honest with you. I don't think he's uh, worth like twenty or twenty-five million. Uh, but I don't know. Like, do you have to go down that route? Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know what the answer is, and I guess that's. I just want to reiterate, I don't know if there is an ideal offseason coming up, so I think maybe we should all just be prepared that maybe they can get one or two good things, but they're not going to cover everything off, let's say. So uh, we just all need to be prepared with that reality, unfortunately, particularly if, as you said, Catalonia, CNT, the Bulls don't get that top four pick. Uh, Yeah, let's just hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) Let's just hope that doesn't happen. Let's get that pick. Let's get that pick. But uh, moving on to this question that came in from MFDEF or MFDEF, however you pronounce it. He asks, Wendell and Gafford's numbers have improved since moving on. Every time I watch Washington, they're raving about Gafford. Do you think it was because of Billy and the way he was using these guys that they didn't necessarily play how they're playing now in their new respective teams in Chicago or is it on the guard? So interesting question. I guess that's been a a side frustration to the trade deadline. That like obviously the trade deadline, the balls, the guys, the balls got back in at the deadline haven't necessarily worked out just yet. I mean, Vooch is hurt right now. Troy Brown Jr. is hurt right now. The fact that Zach's been hurt during this this stretch here hasn't obviously been ideal. But compounding that all is the fact that guys like Wendell has looked like he's. I won't say old self, but like the Wendell that that I saw, the potential that I saw in Wendell in his first 20 to 25 games in his rookie season, like we're seeing that in Orlando. He looks more confident. He looks more, he looks reinvigorated, to be honest with you. That's been disappointing to see. It's been hard for me to deal with. But even Daniel Gafford, I mean, Gafford has been unbelievable for the Wizards just coming off and doing very, I mean, he's not doing anything that he wasn't doing before. He's just doing the same old stuff, coming in, blocking shots, dunking the hell out of the ball, but- He's doing it on a team that's obviously winning games and he's found a role in a niche there in, in Washington. Even Chandler Hutchison has found a role on the Wizards. I mean, he's had some bad stinking type games, but he's also had some pretty positive games as well for the Wizards as well. So I don't know. Every It seems like every guy the Bulls have traded has um, has played decent. Uh, Daniel Gafford has found a role in Washington and I think a large part of that is just due to the fact that he's playing with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. If you think about Daniel Gafford, like, think about the things that he does and how reliant his game, especially on offense, is on the players around him. Like, if you're playing next to two all-star level guards, two all-NBA level guards who command so much attention and you as a big rim roller can just go in there and try to catch the alley-oops, try to get those offensive rebounds and... Basically, just dunk the hell out of every single thing because that's what you do well, and that's what you're continuously doing well in in Washington. Like he's basically just taken his role in Chicago and just amplified that around the guards that get all the attention in Washington. So he's certainly benefited from that. But I think we, I think that's a fair point. The fact that you know guys like Wendell Gaffin, I think most most definitely like have looked better in different situations where there has been more playmaking surrounding those guys. I think I think this does speak to the, the biggest issue of this Bulls rebuild and the fact that they've continuously drafted players who I guess are so dependent on others to create offense for them, but the Bulls just haven't really had anyone to create that offense for them. So thus guys like Wendell, even Lowry, I think you can make the same argument for him. Like if you're going to draft big men who need others to create the to create shots for them and then don't go out and get a high level creator to support these guys then We shouldn't be surprised that Wendell Carter looks bad during stretches here in Chicago. And I would not be surprised at all if Larry Markman goes to a different team, whether it's as a starter or as a bench guy. But if he finds himself on a decent team where there are a number of creators on the court that he can share the court with, where he sort of slots in as a third or fourth option and isn't having to be that second guy next to Zach. In that scenario, I could imagine Larry finding a valuable role in the NBA to the point where we might be looking at this situation going, well, where was this Lowry in Chicago? Questioning it all, wondering why that never happened in in Chicago. And I guess the answer could be just be as simple as the fact that this team never had the support to make these guys better. They never had that point guard option or that guard play to make or help these guys. And I guess that's why I was so heavy in the offseason about trading for someone like Chris Paul because I thought he could maximize Wendell Carter or Larry and like whatever that the max versions of those players was I felt confident if you put Chris Paul next to Wendell and Larry or even Kobe for that matter if you could get Kobe off the ball and not having to put the pressure of him being a point guard like and had someone like Paul next to those guys then maybe you do realize the best versions of those guys maybe the perception of them as players changes and I don't know, maybe maybe Wendell and Gafford are still here. Maybe you feel differently about Patrick Williams and Kobe White if you had traded for Chris Paul, let's say, or any other high-level guard, maybe Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline or whoever it would have been. Someone that could have helped set the table for these younger players who are probably on a path more likely to be role guys than stars. And as we know, role guys need to be assisted. They need to be helped by the stars around them, preferably the stars that are on the perimeter, guys that can create points for them. Guys who can create opportunities for them. They can break down the defense and take that creation pressure away from these guys that aren't necessarily built to do that. The Bulls never just- The Bulls just never supported the players like that. So, in that sense, am I surprised that these guys are improving like in their new spots? Not necessarily. I didn't even put that on Billy Donovan, to be fair, because I think this is more of a roster issue, more of a structural issue. The fact that these guys- yeah. Just whenever supported and then they have found themselves in better situations, And I think it's real a real possibility that Lowry lands in a spot like in San Antonio, for example, where they develop him, where they support him better with better guard play or whatever the situation may be. Like, uh, I think we need to prepare ourselves for that reality too, that Lowry lands in a spot where he looks better than he did in Chicago and we sit back and wonder, oh, maybe we should have kept Lowry but um uh, that would never make that won't make sense if we never get better guards in in, in Chicago and unfortunately for guys like Wendell and Lowry uh, it's probably too late obviously it's, it's obviously too late for Wendell but uh, even for Lowry four years into this thing yeah his times probably up in Chicago and unfortunately we'll never know if the be- their best versions could have been in Chicago unfortunately which which sucks it sucks but that's the reality. So, no, I don't put it on Billy. I don't necessarily put it on the guards because I don't think there's enough good guard play in Chicago. I think it's just been a, a floor of the roster, a floor of the rebuild when you're trying to make Wendell Carter and Larry Markman reach the best versions of, the, of themselves, but only supporting those guys with Jerry and Grant and Chris Dunn and Cameron Payne as their point guards. Well, you know, maybe we shouldn't be surprised if those guys that don't pan out. Uh, i felt that way for a while, which is why I wanted Paul, but- here we are. Here we are. We've moved on anyway. But uh, thank you for your question. Moving on to uh, a question here from Rawl. And he asks, well, he, he's asking a question about a point guard here. He's asking a question about Derek Rose and if there's any chance of him coming back to the Bulls this summer. And that's an interesting one. I mentioned before that I would prefer like going down the route of trading for that point guard and getting a high-level guard and using the mid-level exception on a wing. But maybe if you flip that and you try to trade for a wing and you use a mid-level exception on a point guard, if you're not going after someone like Devontae Graham, then maybe Derrick Rose is an answer. I, I don't know how I feel about, about that, to be honest with you, because at this point, like Derrick Rose is probably more like a, a bench six man. He's probably almost more of a shooting guard than a point guard at this point. He's not the answer that I would hope for at point guard. Again, just due to the fact that I don't know if he fits with Vucevic and Levine, but more more... Beyond that, I mean, like, what does it mean for someone like Kobe White as well? Like, because Derek is probably like a supercharged version of Kobe at this point. Like, (laughs) idolized role that I have of Kobe White is probably to be the version that we see of Derek Rose in New York right now, who's just been unbelievable, has completely changed or helped change that New York season. The minute they traded for him, they sort of took off to another level. I think Derek has 49 points or something like that over his last two games, so he's been super good for them off the bench and potentially could be really good for the Bulls off the bench and would I like to see him come back I mean from a uh purely fan point of view purely from a um emotional standpoint let's say then potentially but from a roster point of view does it make the most, most sense for this team maybe maybe not I mean it depends what they do around him but um uh, yeah, it's an option. It's an option I didn't mention before. Maybe it should be an option the Bulls should consider because Rose has been really good. He's found he's found his new self, let's say, as that bench six-man type guy. He's been super effective in that role. He's really good for the Pistons in that role. He's obviously carried that over into New York. Does he want to come back home to Chicago? Does he want to stay in New York with Tibbs? I I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm sure a lot of Bulls fans would all would probably want to see him come back to Chicago, but obviously... uh. We'll see in the off season, but I appreciate your question. Uh, moving on though to um, the last couple that I have here, and in the interest of time, I'll whip through these. These are probably more off topic, less so about the Bulls, but um, this one comes in from Felipe C from Brazil, my good mate Felipe. He asks, as a fellow foreigner Bulls fan, how does the NBA fit into your schedule? So Felipe is in Brazil, and he goes on to say that usually at the start of Bulls games is when he starts to put his daughters to bed being the uh, responsible father that Felipe is and doing all the daddy stuff at night and then you know during his days he's on forums like Real GM and reading blogs through his work lunch lunch break and those sorts of things and um for me, Felipe, being in a completely different time zone, I mean, you're in a similarish time zone, I'm assuming, to the US, or I'm assuming Brazil is somewhat in a similar time zone, I'm guessing at least, but uh, for me, it's completely different. I mean, I'm on the other side of the world, obviously, like for me, Bulls games are on during my morning slash afternoon, so like for example, this bull Sixers game, that tipped off at 11am my time. Um, so I pretty much catch games or try to catch games during my lunch break. If not then, then I obviously watch them after work, but in terms of being on Twitter, in terms of talking about the Bulls, in terms of podcasting about the Bulls, anytime I can find... Uh, anytime I can find time, basically. I mean, I'm on Twitter all day, basically. <laughs> unfortunately, I need to really stop that. But um, I, yeah, I'm always thinking about the Bulls, always tweeting about the Bulls, trying to podcast about the Bulls as much as I can. But for, for us foreign Bulls fans, like we just need to be creative about it. We need to find ways to do it. We need to, unfortunately, sacrifice certain things to to find a place to to put this Bulls team in. And for me, like... On the weekends, for example, if I want to watch a Bulls game, then maybe that doesn't mean going out to lunch or catching up with friends, unfortunately. That's assuming I want to watch it live, which I don't have to. I mean, I could always come back to it and watch it thereafter. But um, I like watching games live. I like interacting and communicating with other fans as things are happening because, again, being an international fan, you you can't necessarily turn to the next person like you could in Chicago and just talk about the Bulls. I mean, that doesn't really happen here in Australia. I don't know if that's a, something that happens in Brazil. I'm not sure if that's something that happens in Europe either. I mean, European Bulls fans probably have it toughest. They have to be up at like midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. sometimes to catch a Bulls game, depending where they are in the world. Like that's rough as well. But like there's a lot of Bulls fans out there, global Bulls fans as well. So I I hope they realize how big and important they are to a lot of people out there because there are a lot of global bulls fans out there you being one flea bay me being another and uh i'm hoping for for our sake obviously for everyone's sake but even for us who have to sacrifice a lot whether it's time commitment relationships whatever it might be to to watch our bulls live at uh, often at weird times in the day um we'd obviously rather be watching good teams rather than bad teams so um for that reason, hopefully they get their shit together as soon as possible. But um, yeah, appreciate you writing in, Felipe. As always, you're always good for sending in a question during these mailbag apps. And um, yeah, even even beyond basketball, Felipe, I I, I appreciate your takes on F one as well. So if you've got some Formula One questions for me next time, Felipe, send them my way. You're, you're one of the few Bulls fans who I know who actually will. Uh, entertain me or converse with me in terms of Formula One. Yeah, let me know what your thoughts about this season thus far. The first three races have been unbelievable, in my opinion. But uh, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think. But um, but moving on to a question here from Tommy Finlay. This one's probably more a generic NBA question, less so about the Bulls. But he asks: Does the playing game provide a further incentive for teams to take the regular game, regular season games more seriously to secure a top six seed? Or make a mockery that it's possible for a team to make the playoffs essentially being a bad tenth seed, which is I guess kind of ironic, because here we are as Bulls fans, at least for a little bit, not necessarily now, but previously, a few weeks ago, we're hoping the Bulls could make the play in as a as a a tenth seed, let's say. So I I get your question there, Tommy, but I, I do enjoy or like the fact that this playing thing has become a thing. I do appreciate it. The fact that, you know, if not for any other reason, like as a Bulls Park podcaster, like we've remained engaged about this team being the 12th seed in the East right now, hoping to push up to the 10th seed far longer into the season than what we would have otherwise have done. Like, I mean, if there wasn't a chance of the Bulls getting into the play tournament or if that wasn't a possibility, like how much sooner would we have checked out on this season? if the play-in tournament wasn't even a thing, do the Bulls even trade for Nikola Funchevich? I mean, there's, there's so many permutations to this, but I guess my point of view on this and my perspective on this, like if, if teams are who are sitting 7th or 8 aren't good enough to beat the 10th seed, then you're not you're not good enough to necessarily do anything in the playoffs anyway. So I don't really care about like the 7th or 8th teams being booted out of the playoff format by a play-in team. If a play-in team is good enough to unseat a team that's sitting in seventh or eighth, then maybe that team deserves to be in the playoffs. Like the Wizards right now, they're going to probably land in 10. Like if the Wizards beat out the Celtics or the Hornets to get into the playoffs, or even the Pacers for that matter, then they deserve to be in there. And conversely, like if the, the Boston Celtics who are currently seventh can't beat the Wizards or can't beat the Pacers to maintain their position in seventh, then that Celtics team weren't doing shit in the playoffs. Like they weren't going to win anyway, so like, to me, it's it's not a big deal. I guess the only time I probably would have a problem with it is if, you know, the the seventh ranked team was so much further ahead of the the tenth place team in terms of wins. Like maybe at that point, it devalues the regular season. But in that scenario, if that tenth seeded team beats this number seventeen, then I mean, again, what does it say about that number seventeen? So I don't know. I like to play in tournament. I don't get a I don't get this whole conversation that sort of started over the last twenty four to forty eight hours. I mean, obviously, LeBron fueled it. It was sort of raised again last week by uh, Mark Cuban. Obviously, Luka Doncic has had his opinion on it. But we only hear about the people who are affected by it. You know, teams who are sitting 5-8 to eight right now. They're the only ones that are really complaining about it. Virtually everyone else loves the format. And for us as Bulls fans, it gave us a chance or it gave us something else to think about or root for. And it gave us something to actually be invested in like up until the last couple weeks of the seasons like think about the last few seasons I mean most of us were checked out what after game like 40 or so if that we've at least lasted up to like game 55 or 60 here maybe we would have lasted the whole way if Zach Levine didn't get hurt and we actually got a real chance getting them into the plane. like that gives us an option to at least be invested into the season gives us something else to be rooting for to be interested in so uh, I like the play-in tournament. I like the uh, the incentive. And yeah, I do think it does create incentive for those teams who are sitting 7 and 10 to get into the top six. And if you want to be good enough to avoid the play-in, then just win more games. It's just as simple as that. Um, so more competitive basketball, I think the league will be better for it. And um, I think it's going to be a fun couple of weeks as we see how the uh, the play-in tournament sort of plays itself out. But uh, thank you there for your question, Tommy. Appreciate you sending that in, and um, maybe we can end on this one. One final question, and this one comes in from uh, SS at Superserb on Twitter. He asks, "Do you see Luka Doncic in a Bulls uniform in 2022?" And uh, you know, frankly, Superserb, whilst I've uh, whilst I've envisioned it a couple of times in my head, I, I don't think it's going to go any further than that, my friend. Um, but uh, maybe we can end on that wishful thinking that maybe we can start to try to uh, coerce or put it out into the universe that somehow, some way, Luka Doncic is going to end up in Chicago in 2022 and all of our problems that we solved at that point. Maybe we can end in there and um, end on that fairy tale and hope <laughs> that's how we get out of this whole rut that we're currently in right now. But um yeah. No, obviously not Super Serb. He's not coming to Chicago in 2022. (laughs) But um, that just about does it. Let's call it there. I appreciate everyone from sending in their questions. As I said from the top, I had a much more enjoyable time answering your questions and uh, hopefully the listeners as well. You enjoyed this installment of the podcast rather than me droning on about the current state of the Bulls. So something different, a little bit of a change up, hopefully a little bit more enjoyable. But uh, yeah, again, thank you everyone for sending in your questions. Just before I go, though, some shameless plugs. Follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. Follow the podcast too as well at Pod. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord forum, send me a a DM on Twitter. I will drop you an invite link. What would be super appreciative is if you can jump on iTunes, give the show a five-star review. That would be super helpful. If you can spare five seconds to do that, would very much appreciate it bulls fans tell your mates about the show too if they if they want to listen to some stupid australian banging on about the chicago bulls tell them to, to come listen to bulls hq send them my way i'd love to get some new th- listeners through and um you know maybe they won't come through right now given the state of the team but heading into the off season hopefully once things hopefully approved, then um you know maybe we'll get some more listeners through bulls hq so tell your friends five star reviews follow me on twitter do all that sort of stuff but that'll call it for the shameless plugs, we'll end the podcast there. Thank you again to everyone for sending through the questions. Thank you again to everyone for tuning in. Appreciate everyone. We'll be back next week to talk about the Bulls as they wrap up this season. And um, let's get that tank revved up, Bulls fans. And let's land the number four pick. Uh, yeah, that's all that matters right now. But until then, speak soon, Bulls fans. <laughs>